most people don't realize that, for example, one medication, one style, one type of medication, these pharmaceutical-based cell therapies, uh, they they entertain a very large uh, market share. And so for cell therapies, for example, for cancer in the United States, that's a $30 billion market for one section type of treatment for cancer. You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join Michael Holtz and his guests for conversations about all things ORAU. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, our impact on an ever-changing world, our innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers, and our commitment to the communities where we do business. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. As ever, I am your host, Michael Holtz, in the Communications and Marketing Department at ORAU, and I am really excited today to be talking about the Innovation Partnership Grant Program offered through the ORU um, Research and University Partnerships Office. And I have two great guests with me today. I have Tracy Cartwright, who is with the Research and University Partnerships Office. And I have Dr. Rosalind Lynn, who's Associate Professor in the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering um, and the Director of the Laboratory for Light Wave Devices at Villanova University. Tracy and Dr. Wynn, welcome to Further Together, the ORU podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Tracy, I want to start with you um, and talk about the Innovation Partnership Grant Program and why RUPO offers them, um, RUPO being the Research and University Partnerships Office, and um, kind of what the intent behind offering these grants is. So if we could start there, um, and then I think we'll launch into what Dr. Lynn, um, the workshop that she put on with her grant. Absolutely. So ORU's Innovation Partnerships Grant Program is structured to build stronger relationships between ORU's university consortium members and our subject matter experts. The idea is to focus on research and education topics that align well with ORU's expertise and current priorities. So, for example, using FY24 Innovation Partnerships Grant focus areas, what we're looking at is climate and environment. So, be thinking sustainability, clean energy, resilience to climate hazards, emerging technologies. As far as health equity goes, what we're looking at is proposals centered around health literacy, health communication, health disparities. If you move into the future of STEM workforce area, what we're looking for is transformative workforce capacity building and mentoring in this area, as well as other areas such as policy, data science, machine learning, artificial intelligence, etc. So this grant program is designed to drive these new opportunities for the university consortium members and ORU experts to formulate meaningful collaborations. The good news is each member university is now allowed up to two awards per fiscal year. Each award is up to $4,000 and it can be requested to support either an in-person or a virtual event. 
that involves participants from one or more of ORU's member institutions, and ideally it would include students. The FY24 call for applications will go out in September, and the window is open through the entire fiscal year, depending on availability of funds. So the application should be focused on workshops and conferences that highlight each university's strategic STEM and research and education growth areas and where these collaborations with other member universities would truly add value. So that's ORAU's Innovation Partnerships Grant Program in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Well, and it's it's really exciting. I know I've talked to you um, already one um, group yeah. from Middle Tennessee that has done an innovation partnership workshop. And now I'm really excited to talk to Dr. Wynn, um, who went in a little bit of a different direction um, with her innovation partnership grant. So uh, Dr. Wynn, um, from a high level, talk about the workshop that you put on and uh, you know what the topic was and kind of who was at the table. Yeah, so the workshop was held um... In mid-August at uh, Jefferson University's uh, Institute for Bioprocessing, um, and it had about five participants, and the objective was uh, cell culture training and workforce development, and so uh, we had four graduate students participate in this activity, and then um, I was a faculty participant in this activity. And so um, the idea was to use this partnership uh, with our neighbor at Jefferson, use their facilities, which are industry grade, high quality uh, bioprocessing facilities and learn how to do uh, these cell culture techniques. And the reason that uh, we at Villanova are interested in that is that um, our department is uh, developing a discipline or specialty in bioengineering, and there is interest to develop devices and analytical uh, technology to monitor cell cultures and tissue cultures. And this is most important for developing uh, pharmaceuticals that are safe for the public and to do that at a faster uh, rate, and also uh, to start to uh, build devices that will allow us to monitor um, the effects of long-term uh, types of uh, ailments such as cancer and, um, uh, and uh, Alzheimer's disease. Okay, so certainly a workforce development event, but also kind of a leading technology event in terms of what came to, to the table. And you've sent me kind of an outline of um, topics and holy cow, y'all covered a lot. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> in the workshop. We did enough work to qualify for a semester's long graduate course. Um, and so awesome. our workshop lasted about nine hours a day okay. um, and we met for three days uh, uh, in the week. And um, it was the continuous uh, type of uh, skill development workshop. And at the end of the workshop, we all received a certification that 
would be transferable to a pharmaceutical um, uh, technology house. And so we could go in and help with the manufacturing process um, because we have this experience and the students can do this as well. So if they wanted to pick up some part-time work, they would be considered highly skilled, yes. That's amazing. And so some of some of the topics um, that you've sent me from include, you know, the the thirty billion dollar cell therapeutics market. Talk yes. about that because that's yes. a huge that's a huge market right there. Yes, it is. So people, most people don't realize that. For example, one uh, medication, one style, one type of medication. Um, these pharmaceutical-based cell therapies, uh, they uh, they entertain a very large uh, market share. And so for cell therapies, for example, for cancer in the United States, that's a $30 billion market for one section type of treatment for cancer. So imagine the how the market then scales when you start to consider all these other long-term uh, ailments. Uh, and so I'm interested, my research is centered around developing centers for the development of uh, biomaterials, such as biomaterials that they use to treat uh, these types of uh, long-term illnesses. And basically this uh, partnership with uh, Jefferson University was a type of organic a uh, partnership that arose uh, because they had this um, infrastructure, this facility, and there's no other place outside of going to a pharmaceutical manufacturing floor itself to have that type of experience um, and accessibility to uh, industry-relevant tools. Um, and so the ORAU uh, Fellowship supported this workshop because cell culture growth on a large scale uh, requires um, materials that are um, very costly um, mm -hmm. and it's also very time sensitive. And so uh, you have to kind of get acquire cell uh, lines and then take that cell line and uh, use uh, different types of uh, nutrients to stimulate that cell line to grow and then use time to multiply the scale of those cells. And we're interested in cell growth because the cells are actually the warehouse or the factory that's creating the uh, product, the pharmaceutical product. And so, you know, uh, basically we are using relatively... Um, new technology, which first uh, burgeoned in the 1990s, which is called recombinant DNA technology. Mm -hmm. And over time, uh, people have figured out how to do this on a manufacturable size scale for, you know, large volume of production. And, uh, you know, this uh, recombinant DNA technology uh, often... Uh, will involve taking uh, cell or enzymes and using those enzymes to take uh, portions of genetic material uh, and transferring those to 
uh, uh, DNA from other uh, species cells and create uh, new genes that can of have new functionality that can help to address some of these uh, ailments. And the, as these cells grow and multiply, they also copy these new uh, genetic materials. And uh, once you have a large population of these cells that have copied and multiplied, you can then harvest uh, this genetic material and then uh, package this genetic, genetic material and uh, distribute it to the public. And so the idea is to do this as efficiently as possible and do it safely. And so um, there's a balance that has to be struck there uh, in, in the fabrication, in the manufacturing process and making sure safety standards are met. And um, I, I have to tell you, I'm, so I'm a cancer survivor and a cancer advocate. So hearing about, um, you know, students being trained to um, work with this amazing technology to create therapeutics that will be beneficial to people with cancer, to people with Alzheimer's, other um, critical illnesses, um, makes my heart a lot happy right now, I gotta tell you. So I'm yeah. really excited that um, this is, you know, something certainly that we could be part of um, and Tracy, I just wanted to throw it to you for a quick question, just about, you know, hearing um, Dr. Wynn talk about the fact that, you know, basically this, our grant cre helped create a workshop that, you know, essentially got, you know, a graduate, graduate student level course and certification, which means they can go out and work in this industry, you know, they're, they're certified to do this work, um, has to be heartening for you as someone who manages this, this program. It most definitely is, Michael. So hearing the research that, that Villanova is able to do through support through the Innovation Partnerships Program is, is truly inspiring. And um, as a side note, ORAU also has the ODRD or ORAU Directed Research and Development Grant Program. And the reason yep. I mention this is because one of the FY23 Innovation Partnerships Grant Program winners is also involved with one of ORAU's subject matter experts, and they are collaborating on an ODRD FY24 application. So uh, it's wonderful that the Innovation Partnerships Program in a sense, can set the stage for potential larger grant opportunities here at ORAU. Absolutely. Um, and Dr. Winnie, you've got to think that, you know, from a success perspective, that also is a great thing. You know, you, you go from this this workshop to, you know, further research and, and hopefully more to come. Yeah. This is a, a wonderful uh, opportunity um, and support uh, system that exists. Um, and I'm extremely um, pleased that I'm able to uh, be able to participate and um, take advantage of this opportunity. Awesome. So some of um, what the students um, and you learned in the certification process was, you know, culturing of, um, I think what are called HEK 293 cells. Um, 
and cell counting, basically automated and manual cytometry. Talk about what what that is and what that means. Uh, so uh, HEK cells are just a type of um, mammalian cells. Um, and I believe they're derived from the kidney. Uh, and mammalian cells are uh, slightly different than other types of cells. Um, their biology um, behaves a little bit more like a human uh, type of cell uh, biology, but uh, they are also uh, very much uh, sensitive to uh, mechanical stresses and shear force. And so that means that um, when you're handling these cells, you have to handle them in a way that um, you are, for example, handling them with kid gloves. You know, you have to be very um, uh, delicate and uh, precise with your treatment with, of these cells in order for them to survive and multiply and yield the, the product, the output that you want, the gen genetic material that you desire. But um, you know, before you can even handle cells, it's required by uh, OSHA and the FDA that you have uh, a biosafety level training. And uh, when you're working with these types of cells and they're not, for example, dangerous viruses, uh, you get a, a type of uh, level of safety training, which is uh, referred to as BSL2 safety training. And so that teaches us how to uh, basically handle the cells and also uh, come up with the techniques and manage the uh, aseptic environment so that the cells do not pick up any um, additional fungi or viruses from the environment just by handling it. And so, and it's important to uh, have these techniques uh, well-established and um, well-vetted because that is the difference between your cell line uh, flourishing and your cell line not doing well. Uh, and for these major pharmaceutical companies uh, inside of the uh, housing that uh, they use to grow these cells, they're holding hundreds of gallons of cell culture to make enough product to yield them $2 billion. Right, and they have multiple uh, canisters of these housings called bioreactors, and so if there is a mishandling in the technique of uh, culturing the cells, uh, you will not see it until you hit the bioreactor, and then at that time, that's two billion dollars on the line, and if there is a uh, uh, an infection or um, impurity in the cell culture, that bioreactor has to be discarded. All of that cell culture inside of that bioreactor is lost. And that is $2 billion gone, right? So, so, so uh, safety and handling. And yeah. So amazingly just, important. Yeah. So patient safety is very important, but also, you know, uh, cleanliness is important in terms mm -hmm. of just at creating an environment for the cells to flourish because if they're if they get sick they respond yeah, yeah. Just like human cells and they won't uh flourish and so uh we use these cells to um develop our devices that are analytical type of devices to monitor the cell 
uh, behavior and uh, also any uh, viability parameters of the cell. And that's in development. Uh, but uh, we also learned about uh, in the process of growing these cells before it gets to that large volume bioreactor housing, we have to do multiple intermediate passes where we are growing the cell culture in, in smaller batches and we're counting the number of cells that are yield um, from each of those smaller uh, volume passes. And in order to count the cells, there are automated machinery that exists. And um, in addition to the automated machinery, you can also use a manual uh, hemocytometer that allows you to count the cells that the automated machinery hasn't figured out how to manage it. And so sometimes these cells, as they uh, grow and duplicate, they form clumps and uh, they adhere to each other. And um, these agglomerations are read as, you know, um, errors or not registered by the automated cell counting uh, machines. And so oftentimes uh, there's a manual check that is done just to get the number counts um, uh, accurately uh, done. And so you can understand why this counting is very important for the pharmaceutical industry because um, in these earlier initial passes, um, the more cells that you can yield, the better your yield will be in your larger scale reactors. So it helps to know early in the process, as yes. as, it, so as you've explained, when you when you've got two billion dollars on the line, you mess up. The, you know, you find out the cell line's messed up or something. Yeah. You know, you've wasted time and money on an inferior product, basically. Yes, yes. And you um, can't sell it. <laughs> right, right, right. Of course, yeah. And then um, you also learned about cytopreservation and the thawing of cells, which I assume on the one hand is freezing and the other hand is thawing and how to do that. Yes. So safely we, and effectively as well. Yes. So we performed uh, two-dimensional and three-dimensional cell cultures and <laughs> Uh, you know, long story short, two-dimensional culture is just going to be a cell culture done on a flat plate. Um, and a 3D cell culture is going to be a cell culture where the cells are uh, grown on a solution in a volume, a 3D volume. And so um, and so uh, bioprocessing cell cultures in those uh, bioreactors, those tanks, those are three-dimensional cell cultures. And so uh, the... Uh, volume of the cell culture will uh, limit or affect the conditions under which the cells are um, growing. And um, depending on uh, what your um, what uh, attribute of the cell you're uh, analyzing during your uh, intermediate cell uh, process, um, you would prefer, for example, the two-dimensional cell culture if you wanted to uh, look at um, the cell shape or um, you wanted to have the cells in a uniform uh, spherical uh, arrangement versus in the solution, 
the cells may begin to stick together and their shape may change somewhat um, over time. And so it becomes a little bit more difficult to evaluate the cells in solution because you have to take them out of the solution, remove the residual solution, and then place them on a two-dimensional surface to view the, the morphology of the cell. And so uh, those are the two types of cell cultures. And the reason why you would want to uh, know the difference between these two types of volumes is uh, once you have a cell line and if you've gone through great lengths to rep, uh, to grow the cells, you want to save a batch of those cells that you've grown for future purposes or later on for reference. And so uh, typically what is done is a small sample of those cells, maybe a 200 and 250 microliter sample, which is you know the size of a sample perfume vial or an eyedropper uh, size um, of volume of cells are saved uh, in a, a solution that has a preservation, uh, preservative materials in there to allow the cells to freeze without rupturing. And, um, and then to uh, access the cells after they've been frozen and let's say you want to come back to them and use them for another um, process, you then have to go through the careful process of uh, raising the temperature of the cells from the uh, cryo uh, freezing status and bring them up to um, a temperature that uh, supports cell viability. So close to 34 degrees Celsius is uh, how warm you have to heat the, the cells up uh, after they've been frozen. And typically water, water baths are used to do that to uniformly distribute the uh, warm uh, temperature to the cells and coach them out of the suspended animation and back into, uh, you know, their normal operating temperature. Okay. Um, and Dr. Wynn, I just want to underscore that you and your students, like, you learned about all of this in three days, right? Oh, yes. Over and this a is very, very day intensive, very intensive um, workshop, which, um, A, sounds amazing and do you have plans to do it again um, and bring more students to the table? Uh, so literally, yes. I guess. <laughs> so the idea is to um, take what we've learned and apply it to a research uh, project. And so okay. we're in talks with JIB to uh, submit a proposal to see if we can support our research uh, around uh, investigating these types of uh, mammalian cells, which are the HEK uh, mm -hmm. cells. And, um, you know, when those students graduate, then another, another batch of students will have to be trained. Right, but right. this batch of student students will be able to go into the lab and the way JRB has uh, described it, we will create a partnership where we have access to our own private space where we can do solely those cell cultures related to the device development of our interest, which is unheard of, 
right? Right. That's so amazing. It's, it's, it's they're they're really being a good neighbor, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, and so the students are excited, um, and I'm just very um, hopeful and looking forward to the future because, you know, if we're able to make this work and develop the device, there's so many different cell lines that we can start to investigate and answer a great many questions and hopefully be able to assist the pharmaceutical development uh, for these uh, illnesses and help people and do it in a very safe way. Right. And, you know, as we sort of said near the top, the cell therapeutics market is large and growing and <laughs> becoming more important to the treatment of chronic and serious illnesses, like, as we've said, cancer, as Alzheimer's and others. And um, to be sort of on the front line of all of this has to be amazing. It has to be, you know, the, the future feels very bright, <laughs> Dr. Wynn, for, um, for you and your students and for Villanova and, and working with charity. That just sounds yeah, like a, a really amazing um, synergy for everybody. Yes, this is a very exciting time. Very exciting time. Um, and uh, we are in a phase where um, we're even accessing microbioreactors where you can, it's quite possible to uh, have these smaller scale bioreactors to do single use development and um, which now adds another layer of uh, dynamic dimension where you can test um, products or farm bioprocessing techniques um, without uh, having a large volume uh, on, uh, mm -hmm. on the line and then scale up these attributes that you are able to um, measure on the small scale to larger uh, uh, commercial scale sizes. And so that's that's pretty important. It all sounds so incredible and so exciting. Um, and I hope, Dr. Wynn, at some point, we can come back in you know, six months or a year or so and see where things stand and how things have progressed um, as a result of you know, sort of this this moment and this workshop and where where things have, have moved to. Um, I would love for us to come back and, and do an update at some point for sure. Certainly, that sounds like an excellent idea. Awesome. Um, Tracy, again for you, I you know the so I've I've learned about two innovation partnership grants opportunities. They've both been incredible. Um it's a very exciting um, program offering that we offer to our um, university partners. Um, and as you said, a new, a new round of grant opportunities will begin with pretty much our new fiscal year. So um, do you want to talk about what people need to do, what, what our partners need to do to apply? That would be great. Absolutely. So, uh, there will be a call that goes out, a call for applications that will go out in September for the FY24 awards. So the 
ideally it would of course focus on one of the FY24 focus areas and we want to bring in more of uh, consortium member universities along with the university that's applying for the grant. Mm-hmm. So ideally it, this this grant program could morph into a, additional grant programs such as ODRD. Right, right. So it becomes sort of seed money for a little yeah, bit more through the ODRD grant program, which is already seed money for potentially larger research. So it's sort of, I love it. It's it all grows from from a little bit of seed money. Absolutely, absolutely. And I feel like Dr. Wynn's research is it is incredibly encouraging. It is inspiring. Mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest, it makes me wish I would have studied some type of science. Um, just right? being honest, but <laughs> you know, it is it is incredibly encouraging to to hear that this wonderful work is being done and that ORU can can be a part of it. Absolutely, yeah. I I. Um... I'm amazed every time I hear a story like this about how ORU and our university partners and you know these these grant programs are, are making a difference. They really are making a difference. And you know, Dr. Wynn, you're seeing it firsthand through yes. workshops yes. like this. So Yes, and it, it's it is it has made a, a significant this uh, difference in um Students are very excited uh, about having this opportunity. I'm looking forward to future work with uh, ORAE. Awesome. Um, so last question for you then is what brings you joy, Dr. Wynn? Uh-oh. Um, so layperson joy uh, is uh, my family, my husband and my daughter. Those, those two people bring me joy. Uh, and you know uh, what brings me joy uh, professionally is seeing the light go on in the students' uh, uh, facial expression when they're learning mm-hmm. something. You know that's that's joyful because you're helping them be the best version of themselves, and that's all anyone can ask. Absolutely, I love that, Tracy. Same question for you. What brings you joy? So, as Dr. Wynn said. Um, uh, in my personal life, uh, I thoroughly enjoy yoga. I'm a yoga instructor, and it is it is so much fun. Um, I have a, a husband and a, a dog. No, no, no real children. I've got a fur baby. Um, professionally, I enjoy making the connections between our member universities and staff at ORAU, just to find ways to build that synergy and to make these collaborations work down the line. Who's to say this time next year? Dr. Wynn may consider applying for one of our ODRD mm-hmm. award programs, grant programs rather, and it, who knows where it'll go. I mean, it, it, could right. be, it could be this time next year, we may be doing a podcast on an ODRD application. Who knows? But right. making those connections and being able to, to work with the whole of the staff members at ORU is really important to me. It's, it's very encouraging to be able to work with all, as many people as I possibly can here at ORU, as well as our member universities. Well, if there is an ODRD project in the future, we definitely will be talking about it here on the Further Together podcast. Nothing brings me more joy than being able to tell the stories of how um, we're making a difference. Um, and uh, Dr. Wynn, I just want to thank you for your time today for 
talking about your Innovation Partnerships grants, and Tracy, for you as well. Just thank you so much for this time today and, and talking about um, kind of a newer, but, you know, something um, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about, um, offering for our university partners and for the communities that we do business. So thank you both. Thank you, Michael. I, I would just like to thank Dr. Wynn. I truly appreciate your time today, and I'm grateful for your support of ORU's Innovation Partnerships Grant Program, and the research that you, you were able to do through this is it is truly inspiring. So thank you so much for your, your support. Thank you so much, Tracy. All right. Thank you both. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank Bye -bye. you, Michael. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the ORU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at ORAU, and on Instagram at ORAU Together. If you like Further Together, the ORAU podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast.